Anyway, welcome to Youth Group. Glad you guys are here. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Jesus. Yes, we did. Rainer, what did we talk about? What was the title? What was the big idea? Alex, I won't ask you because you weren't here. Help me out. Yes, Velvet. Whatever he says to do, do it. Very good. Do whatever he says. That's the theme that we're going with, remember? So last week we talked about what the wedding at Cana, which he did. What miracle did he do? Water and the wine. Very good, you guys. That's exactly right. So we're going to stay in the book of John tonight. And what I want to do tonight is I want to continue with this theme. Whatever he says, do it. So ask yourselves this real quick. This idea of just do it. Whatever he says, do it. How'd you do today? How did you do with whatever he says to do? Do it in your own life. Did you do it? Think about your walk for a second. I want to challenge you guys a little bit with this because I want you guys to realize I read in First uh, John and Second John, Second <laughs> John, this idea that love to show love is to follow his commands. But here's what I know. I'm being a little bit. Not sarcastic, I guess, but when I ask you, how'd you do today with following the commands of Jesus? Most of us don't know the commands of Jesus because most of us don't spend enough time in the Word. Does that make sense? So we're trying as Christians to do something that we have no idea what it is we're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense to you guys? And I'm not picking on high school kids. I'm, most adults are going to be the same way. We ask, Jesus asks us to follow his commands. But do we spend enough time in the word to really know what they are? If not, how do we fix that? By reading the word. By spending time in it. And we got to do it each and every day. But before we get into the meat of the message tonight, I want to give you guys the opportunity to talk at your small groups. And I want you to ask this, answer this question. Because we're going to be talking about being born again tonight. What city were you born in? And does your name have any significant meaning behind it? Like here, I'll give you an example. My daughter's going to love this. My daughter is named Jennifer, Jenny. And I was listening, to, she's in her 30s now. And I was listening to a story, a Louis L'Amour Western, long time ago. And Jennies are known, they also are called mules. So my daughter was named after a mule because I thought, what a great name. So Jenny doesn't like that story very much. What city were you born in, and does your name have any significance in the family, or why, where did you get that name? Talk about that at your tables, and we'll get back up here in a second. Okay, everybody, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room, I want to give you a little context on the scripture verses that you just read. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, okay, is what we're looking at. So here's what's going on, and we're going to watch a couple videos later on that will kind of explain this a little better. There's a guy named Nicodemus who is a Pharisee. He's a teacher of Israel. He's a big shot within the, the Pharisee community. He's actually, there's this thing called the Sanhedrin, and it was the Jewish kind of their supreme court, if you will. And uh, Nicodemus is even part of that council as well. There were 70 Sanhedrin, and there were 70 Sadducees and Pharisees that make, actually made up the Sanhedrin. And what there was, is that like say, that's kind of their supreme court. So Nicodemus was a very big deal within the Pharisee community, if you will. But he goes to Jesus at night, and he has a conversation with Jesus. Now, 
I want to make sure, and I think I've probably taught this before, that part of the reason why he went to Jesus at night, some traditions show that it was because he was kind of a closet believer. He wanted to believe in Jesus. But the more studying I do, I don't think you can really pin down why Nicodemus went to Jesus at night in this, this part of the scripture. Could be because he wanted a quiet moment with Jesus. There was crowds around him all the time. He just had questions that the rest of the Pharisees had, so he came to him at night. But the, Jesus and Nicodemus meet at night in this story, in the scripture that we're looking at. And the very first thing Jesus jumps into is what we're going to look at tonight. And that is found in, in verse 3. <clears throat> and he tells Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, as you guys just read, Very truly I tell you, no one... No one means what? No one. That means nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This idea of born again is what I want to look at. But before we do that, I want to look at something else. At the top of your bulletin, right underneath it says just do it, I put this down. Why do we need to be born again? Why do we need to be saved? And that's what I want to look at tonight I'm going to take you guys back in scripture, and this is going to be a short journey, but a long trip at the same time. I want to go back to Genesis, because this idea of being born again is important to understand, why do we need, be, do we need to be born again? Last time I looked around the room, you're all born, right? Yes? But to be born means something happened, to be born again, and that, what I'll talk about in a little bit means to be born from above, not natural like humans do, but born from above in the spirit, Okay? But I want to take you back to Genesis, chapter 3. I want to look back. I want to do a look back to begin with. So grab your bulletins. You are going to find this to be very true in your lives. Adam and Eve, God created everything in six days. The seventh day he rested. <coughs> he created them male and female. He created them. He took Adam, created Adam. Most of you know the story. He took Eve out of a rib of Adam, and made Eve, right? They were perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. They were in the garden. They dwelt with God every day. Nothing was wrong. They were running around in their birthday suits, naked. Everything was good. No shame, no sin. It was perfect. God gave them one rule to follow. Most of you know that rule, right? Look around the garden, Imagine it. Can you see it? Trees, vegetables, animals everywhere. It's perfect. Think about the most perfect day in nature you've ever experienced. And it's not even close. They fellowship with God every day. And God told Adam, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for one tree. They had one rule. They had, could you imagine going home tonight and having one rule? At school having one rule? They had one rule. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you do, God said, you will surely die. So the devil comes along. They've been living in the garden. We don't really know how long. The devil comes along, <coughs> excuse me, and he whispers to Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. The woman said to the serpent, we must not eat from the tree in the garden. We, we may eat from fruit of the tree and any tree in the garden. But God did say, this is Eve talking now, 
But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Just a note, side note, God never said not to touch it. He said, don't eat from it. But Eve added to what God said. So she even added to what he said. You must not even touch it or you will die. The serpent representing the devil, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, God's hiding something from you. God's, he's got something he's holding back from you. He's got something up his sleeve and you can't trust him. That's what the devil is telling Eve. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. One rule, it was perfect and they did it. Eve ate, turned around and gave the fruit to Adam. Adam ate and sin entered the world. And it says in scripture in Genesis chapter three that uh, once they ate the fruit, they realized they were naked and they had shame. With sin will always come shame. I promise you, listen to me. I know this for a fact. There are kids that are not in this youth group tonight that should be here because they've been in sin and they're too ashamed to show up at youth group because they don't think they belong here. They shouldn't come because they've done stuff wrong and they've made mistakes and they've fallen into sin and the last place they think they want to go is here. So there are those kids that aren't here tonight and I know there's, every year there's students that go through this. So listen to me, okay? Please listen. You're young and I want you to promise me this, okay? Look at me, please. When you fall into sin, the last thing you should ever do is avoid this place. The last thing, you guys, it's so important that you come in and find forgiveness in Christ. We love you no matter what you do. I want you to hear me because I will guarantee you as you look around the room, there'll be some of you that will not come back. It breaks my heart, but every year it's true. When you sin and you fall into temptation and you end up sinning, this is where you need to be because the ones that aren't here tonight did exactly what Adam did that day, Adam and Eve. Because it says, after they figured out they were naked, they had shame, they had sin, they put on fig leaves to cover, their, to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. That's mankind trying to find forgiveness themselves, trying to figure out how to make this right on what they did wrong. It won't work. They hid in the garden. And God walks in the garden in the cool of the day, hollers to Adam. Adam he, God says, Adam, where are you? Long story short, Adam answered back, I was naked, so I hid. In other words, I had shame, so I tried to hide from you, God. It's not gonna work. You can't hide from God in your sin. Your sin will always find you out. Please hear me tonight, okay? Because this is such a critical thing for you guys to get your arms around. Then they come out, and God says, uh, nope, you guys, okay, listen now, I want you guys to get this, okay? Let's say, and I use this example, and it's a bad example, but I'm gonna use it. <clears throat> a husband and wife. The husband falls into temptation and he has an affair. Wife finds out. Who's the offended party? The husband or the wife? The wife. Because the, the husband was unfaithful, right? So the wife's the offended party. The husband comes home and he says, honey, I love you and I want to make up with you and I want our, our marriage to last. Who gets to set the rules for what it looks like to come back into a relationship? The husband or the wife? Help me. The, why? Why? 
because she's the offended party, right? So Adam and Eve come out of the weeds, and they stand before God, and they got their fig leaves on, and God says, time out, that's not going to work. You don't get to set the rules of what it looks like to come back into a relationship with me. Make sense so far? So this is critical. This is where we need to be born again, because when they ate of the fruit, they didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. In their spirit, they were dead. In their spirit, they were separated from God. Does that make sense? And because Adam is federal headship, he's the start of all mankind, every person who's born is born with a sinful nature, which I'll hang, hang on to that, and I'll get into that in a second, because this is such a cool picture of what happens. So God says, I'm the offended party. I'll decide what it takes to get back into a relationship with me. So God finds an animal, probably a lamb or a goat, and he brings this animal in front of Adam and Eve. Now, I want you to picture this. Some of you heard me teach this, but this is something that God struck me with years ago that I've never forgotten. God brings the animal up. Adam and Eve have sinned. That animal, God takes its life. And it sheds its blood. An innocent animal shed its blood because of Adam and Eve's sin. If they hadn't sinned, that animal would not have had to die. Make sense to you guys? You following me? Okay. But think about this for a second. Adam and Eve had never experienced death. Ever. That was the first thing they ever saw that lost its life. And it lost its life because of what they did. Because of their sin and their rebellion toward God. Make sense? So, because they ate the fruit, because they sinned, they were separated from God. To get back into relationship with God, an animal had to shed its blood. The book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That happened in Genesis, you guys. Thousands, see, that animal, is a, they call it a foreshadowing. That's a picture of something yet to come that's important. So clear back in the book of Genesis, you see an animal, an innocent animal shed its blood for Adam and Eve's sin. Sin always causes death. Shame. Make sense? You guys follow me so far? <clears throat> so let's jump into this now and move ourselves ahead. See, see even, even in <laughs> Adam and Eve's sin, when they rebelled against God, this is, so, this is such a beautiful picture of who our God is. God didn't have to do that. Now, because of that, they eventually died physically. But that day, they didn't die physically. They died spiritually. God didn't have to do that. Do you realize that? God could have said... You're gone, Adam and Eve. I'm starting over. But he didn't. What you see here is God's grace. Grace is God giving us something, not giving us something we deserve. But when they got back into relationship with God, that began again. So, Romans 5.8 says this. This is how God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ dying is the fulfillment of the foreshadowing of the animal in the Garden of Eden. You guys tracking with me so far? That's the picture. Christ is the fulfillment of what happened in the garden with the animal. Okay? Now watch this. Go to the second point. I'll look at now. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. In other words, this. Being born again speaks of a rebirth from above. A spiritual rebirth, because here's the deal. 
When we're born, we're born with a sinful nature because of what Adam and Eve did. We're not born sinners. We're born sinful. You picking up what I'm laying down? We're not born sinners, but eventually when you get to the age of accountability and you start to figure out right from wrong and you start to rebel, then it turns into sin. Make sense? Because of that sin that you have, when you sin, you died spiritually. Make sense? Now you need to be born again spiritually because you're dead. So the opposite of death or life is death. And the person who has not believed in Jesus Christ does not have God's life within them. They're dead spiritually. So you think about school for a second. <clears throat> All the kids that you know in school that don't know Christ, they're dead men walking because they don't have God's life within them because they've not been born again. They are spiritually dead in their sins and trespasses. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? You hanging with me so far? Okay. So they don't have God's life. They don't have eternal life and they don't have abundant life here. John 10, 10 says, Jesus came, he says, I have came that you may have life and have it to the full right here, but I need to be born again, according to Jesus, to have that happen, okay? Until you're born again, you're spiritually dead. That's why it's so important. Ephesians 2, 1 says the same thing. What I wanna do right now is I'm gonna play a clip, and it's out of a, out of a show where you, you're gonna see Jesus and Nicodemus have a conversation here for just a second about this idea of being born again. So now that you've read the scripture, Watch the video, and I'll come back up and we'll explain some more, and we'll go to small groups in just a second or two here. So what he's saying there is, you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to be brought from death to life, and you do that by accepting Christ as your Savior because he's the one that fills that chasm that separates us from God. You ever walk around? I used to walk around trying to find that thing in life that I wanted, that I needed. I couldn't find it anywhere. And the reason I couldn't find it anywhere because there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that he left there that only he's gonna fill. If you want a full life, if you wanna be brought from life to death, from death to life spiritually, you have to be saved. You have to be born again. We don't make the rules. God sets the rules because God's the one that was the offended party. God's gonna tell us how we get back into relationship with him. But what you see here with God doing is he didn't have to do this. He loves us enough to send his only son to earth that we may, if we believe in him, we will not perish but have eternal life through Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, we're back to those two words. No one, no one comes to the Father except through him. Salvation is this. It happens when you look to Jesus and believing in him that he will save us. Remember when you guys read the scripture about the serpent on the pole? That's a very important story here because back in the Old Testament, Numbers 21, I think, <clears throat> The Israelites rebelled against God. They got sick and tired of eating manna. So they rebelled and God said, okay, fine. You want to rebel? There's punishment. When you rebel, there is punishment that you will experience because you're rebelling against God. So he said, fine. He made some snakes. They bit the Israelites and it killed them. It cost them their life. To rebel against God cost them their life. But God's grace again he told Moses, because I love my people, take a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And put that bronze serpent on that pole. This is what Jesus is talking about in that scripture you guys read. Put that bronze serpent on a pole and everyone who looks up at that serpent and believes is healed. Think of the cross. Everyone who looks up at the cross of Christ 
and believes is saved and you're healed from the sinful, from sin's deathly bite, basically is what you're dealing with. Sin will kill you, you guys. Sin will keep you separated from God. It's not worth the cost. And Jesus Christ, I want you guys to get this. Jesus paid the price for my sin. I remember learning about this and it struck me and it's not even in your notes and I want to share it with you. There's a wrath of God yet to come to mankind. I don't know about you, but when I hear this term, wrath of God, kind of scares me because I know what it's like to live without God. Like I said, I was 38 years old before I gave my life to Christ. And when I realized that Jesus drank that cup of wrath that was meant for me, God's wrath that was meant for me, Jesus drank that cup, took my place on the cross, received that punishment and that death for me. The Bible calls that a propitiation. That's a, Jesus is our substitute. So in other words, I've got the wrath of God coming at me and it's mine and I earned it and I deserve it because I've rebelled against God. But Jesus says, no, Dan, I got this. And he takes me over there and he sits me in a chair and he says, this is how much God loved you. He sent me to die for you and take your place and take the cup of wrath of God that was meant for me upon myself, upon Jesus Christ. He took that for me. Whether you believe in him or not, that's true. So when he stood and he's in my place on that cross and he gives his life and he sheds his blood for me, when I look at that, that's what I deserve. But because God loves me the way he does, remember, while I was still sinner, God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we thumb our nose at that. And then when we give our life to him, we act the fool. And we don't follow him and we don't follow his commandments. If you guys will really let this settle on your heart, it will change your life forever. But you need to be born again. You need to be brought from death to life. And that's through Christ. But when you realize what he did for you, there's a cup of wrath, of God's wrath, that was meant for you. And you, and you, and you. But because God loves you, he sent his son. So right now, as we look at now in these notes, where are you at? Are you born again? Do you understand what it means now? And why it's important to be saved? That you were brought from death to life. Because once you're brought from death to life spiritually, then you become a child of God. Then you're his kid. You're his little girl. You're his little boy. Then you become a child of God. It says it this way in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. John 1, 12, 12 and 13. Yet all who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, listen, children not born of natural descent or of human decision or by a husband, but by God, born again from above, where your spirit is brought from death to life. And now you're a child of the king. Now you're a child of God because of what Christ did for you. When you're born into the family of God, your sins are forgiven, they're forgotten, and your future looks bright and you have a living hope. There's a future in Christ. It's called heaven. Go down to the third point. I gotta make this quick because I want you guys to break into your groups. And look at the future. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Corey, play the last video, please. The believer in Jesus is spared from eternal destruction and hell. Hell is real. Hell wasn't even made for us. It was made for, the, for Lucifer, Satan, and his demons. It wasn't even created for us. But I want you guys to get this because this is critical. If, you don't, if you're not brought from death to life spiritually, if you're not born again, your eternal destiny is the lake of fire and hell. Do you realize that? Why? Because there's two paths in life to follow, people. Listen to me close. One is God's and one's the devil. One's going to lead you to heaven. The other's going to lead you to hell. Basically, it looks like this. I, can't, I won't follow a God that will send people to hell. Okay, let me put it to you this way. You chose hell. Because when you die and you stand before God, God's going to say, you wanted your way on earth? I'm going to give you your way for eternity. You wanted your way on earth and you rebelled against me and you rejected my son? The gift that I gave you? All you had to do was receive and believe and follow him and you'd have eternal life in heaven? But because you rebelled and you refused, God says, I'll give you your way for eternity and off to hell you go. Hell is a very real place. And I gotta be honest with you and tell you the truth. I don't want you to go there. But it doesn't matter what I want. God doesn't want you to go there. That's why he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not, what? Perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes is key here, you ready? In the Greek, as a verb, this is a present tense. It's not, I believe one time and I'm good to go. That word is present tense. It should be written, whoever is believing in him will not perish but have eternal life. Following him, staying with him, and walking with him is exactly what, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we follow him? Look what he's done for us. He leads us into a full life and eternity in heaven. For, for believers, eternity starts now and lasts forever. Break up in your small groups, look at the questions, and we'll wrap it up here in a few minutes. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention, back up to the front of the room. I want to get this thing wrapped up, because I know you guys got homework and you got to get going. On this side of your paper, I want you guys to pay attention to this side of your paper tonight. Everybody take a bulletin home with them, please. And if you would, I want you to memorize this, Okay. This is an acronym to explain the Bible, story of the Bible, okay? Kind of like we did tonight. I'm going to read through this real quick. G, God created us to be with him. He created us, walked in the garden. O, but our sins separated us from God. S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Only, only Christ does that because paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him, look at, watch me, him and him alone him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That is a great way for you to learn to witness to your friends. Dare to Share is an organization in Denver. I learned today they've been around for 30 years. Greg Steer started this 30 years ago. We've been to a lot of Dare to Share events. I would encourage you, many of you in this room know that already. Memorize this because this is a great way to talk to your friends about the rhythm of the Bible if you learn this, okay? At the top of the page, it says that the love of God shown in action. I found this on um, one of my studies. The love of God shown in action is this. The source of love is God. The essence of God is holy love. He is love. The extent of, of the love is the world. Think about it. 
For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you don't believe, you're already condemned. But think about this. What has the world done with Jesus? They killed him, <coughs> spit on him, tortured him, crucified him, reject him, hate him, deny him, but yet God sent him because God wants, his grace is, his grace, his hand reaches out and says, here's my gift. It's a free gift of God that if you believe in Christ, you are saved, not by works. That way no one can boast. Cameron can't say, I did more than Dan, that's why I made it to heaven. It is simply based on what Christ has done in Christ alone. It is a free gift God has given us. What are you doing with it? The sacrifice of love is his son. Jesus Christ gave his life so I would not have to. Jesus Christ gave his life and drank the cup of the wrath of God that was meant for me. My, he's my substitute. He stood in my place and he took the punishment that was coming to me that I wouldn't have to suffer it. That's the sacrifice. And the result of this love is whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. So here's a question. Are you born again? If you are, do you understand why you need to be born again after tonight? Because of what happened in Genesis? Because of the separation? You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You needed to be born again to have eternal life through Christ Jesus. Here's another question for you tonight that I want you to think about. Have you blown it? Have you fallen into some temptation and sin? If you have, it's as simple. You repent. Repent means this. I'm going this direction following temptation and sin and I realize what I'm doing. I'm sinning against God and I go, I'm done with that. I repent. I turn back. I look at God and I say, please forgive me for being in sin. I'm a knothead. I don't know what I was doing. Please forgive me. And guess what? He does. But don't keep doing that because Paul says you should not take advantage of God's grace. Why would we, you guys? Think about this tonight. Why would we not just follow him and do what he says to do? Can I tell you why? Because you don't know what he says to do. Because you're not reading the word enough to realize what his commands even are. You have a choice to make. If you're gonna follow him, whatever he says to do, do it. He says you must be born again, are you? Or maybe you're sitting in this room tonight and you're still deciding what you wanna do with all this. I'm glad you're here, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say yes to Christ? It's up to you. The Spirit of God will convict you. He will lead you that direction, but he will not make you believe that is solely up to you. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please, we're gonna close this way tonight. So where you at? Here's a question I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and this is not for me. When you raise your hand to the, and answer the question I'm gonna ask you, you're raising it to God, not to me, not to anyone else in the room. This is between you and the Savior tonight. If you're in this room and you really believe after what we talked about tonight, and I'm not talking about acting perfect, I'm talking about you've made a decision to believe in Christ You've had forgiveness of your sin and you're following him to the best that you can right now and you, you can say, I am born again because of the decision I made to ask God to forgive me and follow him. Raise your hand if that's you, please. High, raise it high, good for you, all over the room, good. 
I'm glad to see those hands up there because that's God, God, God's got a special place for you. You are children of God tonight. You realize that, you're confessing it. Put your hands down, please. Okay, maybe you're in this room now and you've blown it and you've fallen into temptation and you got caught up in sin and you've been disobedient to God and you rebelled exactly like Adam and Eve did and you've turned away from grace. If that's you in this room tonight, if you've got the courage to be honest with God, I want you to just slip your hand up nice and quietly. Thank you for being honest. Thank you very much for being honest. Put your hands down. So are you not born again yet? Have you not made the decision to follow God? And tonight, he's talking to you. You may not make that decision yet. But if that's you and you're not there yet, please raise your hand and let me know that. Good. Okay, I'm gonna explain something and I'm gonna pray. If you're born again and you're walking with God, that is by God's grace that you're doing that. Please understand that. That is not by your strength. That is by God's grace that you're living that life out. Do not give up on God's grace. Continue to depend on him to walk with him. If you've fallen into sin and you need to repent tonight, it's as simple as what I just talked about. You simply say, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry that I've sinned against you. I mean, just sinned. I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And then you're right back where you need to be with God. And then you've got a choice to make to get deeper into the word. And listen to me, walk by his grace not by trying harder, but by surrendering more. And for those of you, look up at me real quick, please. For those of you that know kids that aren't born again, I want you to study that gospel on that piece of paper and keep inviting them to youth group. Keep inviting them to FCAs because that's how they're gonna know what it is to walk with the Lord. We've all got a gift in here that's been given to us, but there's a lot of people out there that don't know the truth. And it's up to us to share the truth, it's up to God to do the work of saving them. So keep sharing, keep inviting, do not grow weary, do not be discouraged because Christ is with you and he's the one doing the work and when you feel him, <laughs> when you feel him prompt you to share, just share. Tell him, ask him, say hey, do you go to youth group anywhere? Do you know Jesus? Whatever that conversation sounds like, have it. It's the biggest adrenaline rush you'll ever have in your life and it makes, it makes the Lord very, very happy when you do it. Make sense? Because guess what? You're here because somebody shared with you and you and you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Make sense? Go share with somebody else. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. And we are grateful for the opportunity tonight to go through your scripture, to this idea of being born again because we were dead in our sins and trespasses and we have been brought to life spiritually and now we're walking with you by your grace and by your mercy. May we never take for granted, Lord, that, that we've experienced that, that, that being born again from above, being brought from death to life spiritually. May we never get over that moment in our life. And may what we learn tonight deepen our commitment, our resolve to walk with you, not in our own strength, but by your grace and by your mercy. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, that dwells within us. I sometimes, Lord, to praise you and to thank you seems so inadequate with our words. So may we do what the Apostle Paul said because of what we've learned tonight. Therefore, let us all in this room offer ourselves up as living sacrifices to you. This is holy and pleasing. This is our spiritual act of worship that we're doing. 
And I'm praying for everyone in this room that everyone hears my voice. Help us not to be conformed by the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we will know what your good, pleasing, and perfect will is for each one of our lives. Help us to do that. Help us to walk out this door, bringing glory to you in all that we do because we're so grateful that we've been born again through Christ Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Don't forget tomorrow, Thunder Basin High School, FCA next Tuesday during lunch, Campbell County High School. Love you guys. Have a great night, everyone.